Come on, y'all. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. Now stop playing with me. Say it like you say it when you're in the mirror. Pretend like you're a preacher. The word of God is my textbook. I need it. I want it. I got to have it. Help me, Holy Ghost. <laughs> Give us the word. Father, work with us tonight. All right, let's go to the word. As you know, church sex, thank you for all those that are viewing. Uh, y'all better get up on this. I have had a number of individuals through Twitter and Facebook who are joining in tonight to follow this subject. If you don't know by now, uh, we have a sex problem. Amen. <laughs> it is amazing to me what the enemy has done with sexuality to the extent that for the most part, most families do not talk about it. Most of us have not learned about sex from our families. Uh, if we did, we learned unspoken rules or don't get pregnant, don't have it. But some of us are trying to figure out, well, I got these desires. <laughs> and if you ain't dead, <laughs> help me, Lord. Yeah, if you're alive, and I'm not looking for amens tonight. I'm going to preach all by myself. I've, I've already prepared to say amen to myself. So it's all good. Yeah, uh, yeah if, you, if you're alive, you have, uh, you have some desire. You are a sexual creature. There is no such thing as a neuter human being who is asexual. If you are alive, you are a sexual creature. Let the church say amen. Uh, any females in here? Raise your hand. If you're, are you a female? All right. Uh, any males in here? Are you a male? All right. And what do they say? That, if I were to ask you, what is your sex? What would you say? Male, female. Okay. So if you have a sex, then you are sexual. <laughs> and you can be sexual and have the Holy Ghost. Come on in here. You can be, sec you can be sexy and have the Holy Ghost. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to help, help y'all tonight. And so one of the reasons that we are so uncomfortable with this subject is because uh, the, the enemy has taken sex and, and simply just, you know, he, he's, done with, he's done with sex what he's done with everything that God has created and meant for our good. He has tried to pollute it and he has created counterfeit so that we can uh, destroy our lives, bottom line. But we learned last week that sex is so what? Sex is so good. It was created to be good. And uh, we're just going to uh, catch some of you up who weren't here. John 8.32 says, then you will know the truth. And the truth will do what, everybody? Set you free. Set you free. I, I honestly believe that if, follow me now, if we understand truth, the, 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 the natural reaction to receiving truth is freedom. If you are in bondage in any areas of your life, it is because you have not received the truth. The word of the Lord tells us if we know the truth, then the truth will make us free. Most of us were introduced to sex in shameful ways. That's why when you mention sex, nobody shouts. And maybe it's not appropriate, Pastor, to shout about sex. Okay, well, let's talk about some of the stuff that God created. How many thank God for oxygen? Amen. How many thank God for a beating heart? Amen. All right. How many thank God for sexual desires? Okay, yeah, I set you up for that. If I had asked you that first, I wouldn't have gotten no help. Because somehow or another in the church, we have gotten the impression that sex is taboo. Sex is not something you should talk about. And the only time we raise the issue is when somebody gets pregnant or does something they don't have no business. And then we feel like we need to do something about it. Amen, pastor. Preach boy. Okay. During the Middle Ages, during the Middle Ages, one of the reasons why sex is so taboo and negative in the church is because church fathers actually taught that 252 days out of the year that a Christian should not have sex. We told you that last week. And this mindset has creeped uh, on into the church. Now, the crazy thing about sex, as I've said over and over again, and I'm speaking in general terms, so, you know, get offended if you want to. Uh, sex is that subject that everybody is talking about. Everybody wants to have it. <laughs> but everybody's afraid to really deal with it. All right? So I just want to pull that out there. Now, Satan wants you to have as much sex as possible before you get married, and he wants you to have as little as possible when you get married. Yeah, yeah. And most studies are showing now, I was just reading an article the other day, one of the issues that we are, we are finding right now with people who are very promiscuous 
sexually active before marriage is that when they get married, they have difficulty not only staying focused on one person, but they have difficulty performing sexually with their spouses. So I think God was right in the beginning that if we have sex in the context of which he designed it, it can be a blessing to us. One of the problems is, is a lot of us are nasty. We nasty. And, we, and the only way we can see sex is it's nasty, it's negative, it's shameful, it's something you blush at. But by tonight, by the end of tonight, when we talk about sex, I want folks to start shouting and getting excited. And I'm going to show you from the word of God why we should. Amen. <laughs> All right, let's continue. So sex is so what, everybody? It's, it's good. Uh, fornication, not good. Homosexuality, not good. Bisexuality, not good. Amen? Amen. Hardcore porn, not good. Right? Orgies, not good. Now, the world says all this is good. No, do they not? Right? Uh, masturbation, which I would call self-sex. Now, let me just break this down, and we'll get deep later. It is possible, <laughs> well, you can have self-sex with another person. No, y'all really not hearing what I'm saying. You think you hear what I'm saying because you're looking at the word masturbation. What I'm saying is, is because sex has been, has been couched in very selfish terms, people getting theirs, all right? Whether it's outside of marriage or in marriage, because one of the things I told you I was going to talk about is how some people's marriage beds dishonor God. Just because you marry and you having sexual relations doesn't mean that your sexual relationship honors God, all right? And if your perspective is a selfish one, even though you are physically engaged with somebody, you're really making love to yourself. <laughs> we'll talk about that anyway. All of those are fake sex. They're not real. All right? And let me throw this out here now. It's amazing how the world puts stuff and it makes it look so good. When I looked at porn, the, the thing about pornography is pornography paints an unrealistic picture of what sex is like. And nobody's going to say, actually, it's hard to get amens, even though I want one. But it's, because if you say amen, then that means you might look at porn, and then you don't want nobody to know you looked at porn. Okay. So now we got to get past all that. Okay. Pornography gives a false image of what porn is like. And many of us men fall susceptible to it because men are stimulated by sight. Women are stimulated by what they hear. That is why you can see a man, a man is always trying to find the woman that looks good to him primarily, and a woman is trying to find a man that talks right telling you that. And some sisters will look at me and say, Pastor, I'm not really interested in, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in how he looks. I want to make sure the man looks good, but I'm going to tell you right now, ask Beyonce, that, that you don't have to look all that, and you can get the right woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, listen, women are interested in how a man carries himself. Man can be 400 pounds, but if, but, but if he's Biggie Smalls, he can have anybody he wants. And it's not just because he had money. He had Faith Evans before he had money. I'm telling you, brothers, the, the, the way that you carry yourself is what turns a woman on. Men look in 2D, women look in 3D. And one of the things I have discovered is, is somebody might be sexually, physically attractive to you. You get to know them. and It doesn't matter how beautiful they are. They don't look that good anymore. And I have also seen the opposite where individuals may not necessarily have caught your eye or your attention from a physical standpoint. But as you have gotten to know them, you say, oh, my goodness. Well, where did I, was she, did I miss her? Where, where, did, where did she come from? Well, what happened was is you finally got to know her. And I'm telling you, people underestimate this. Inner beauty trumps outer beauty every time. I've, I've met some folk and when they start talking, you say to yourself, now, what happened in the two seconds that you was fine and now you're not? Because character all day. And so when we start talking about sex, we've got to understand that sex is more than what the world teaches in terms of it being a physical thing. Let's keep going. A couple things we need to accept. Sex is good, but there are things in life more important than sex. Let me hear you say amen to that. Yeah, yeah. I thought you, feel, you can feel comfortable saying amen to that. Sex is pleasurable. Believe that. And let me say this to be real. Sex is pleasurable both inside of marriage and outside of marriage. If sex wasn't pleasurable, people wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> right. 
It's amazing how people try to point sin. Oh, sin is awful. Sin is a terrible thing. You shouldn't, don't, don't play with sin. You shouldn't get caught up in sin. Nobody would sin if sin wasn't fun. If it didn't feel good. <laughs> so let's just be honest here. There's a reason why people are falling in this area. Because it does feel good. It does temporarily make you feel good. But there are consequences to disobeying God's law. Number three, sex can season our lives, but it can never fully nourish our souls. Understand that. Now, we're about to get heavy in a minute. God created sex and declared it to be good. Who says amen to that? That's why I'm saying sex is so good. That's why I feel comfortable talking about sex in church. I feel comfortable about it. And I feel like we, and this is why we gave it the name church sex. That's, uh, you're going to mislead people calling it church sex. Oh, that's dangerous. Don't do that. Why? I think it's finally time that we take the two words and put them together. One of the reasons why we have such a problem in our society now and our young people, people are always talking to me, calling me, telling me how they are hooked on porn, how they cannot, how they cannot be committed to one person. And these sins are being passed down from generation to generation simply because we know that we have these issues. We know that we have these problems, but we are too uncomfortable to talk about it because I'm really insecure about my sex self-sexually and I've got issues with sex. So I feel uncomfortable talking about it, but I'm telling you now, it is time to leave that old school thinking that you should just leave some things unsaid. If we keep doing that, we're going to keep losing generations of people. And this ain't no new sin. This thing has taken down people in the Bible. The the Satan ain't creating new stuff. (laughs) Right? God declared it good. Sex is good. Why? God created it. And your sexual desires were created by God. Adam first, now, now this is mind-blowing stuff. Now, when God created sex, mm, Adam first had intimacy with God before he had sexual relations with Eve. Oh, y'all didn't hear that. Now, we're talking about the best sex you've ever had tonight. And I'm telling you because I'm walking in it. <laughs> I've been on both sides. I'm letting you know, can I, well, I'm married. I'm supposed to have sex, ain't I? Yeah, I'm in a marriage where I'm having sex. I know that's new to to people nowadays. One of the things we're finding out now is that uh, people who are not married are having less sex than folk who are not. I mean, people who are married are having less sex than folks who are married. Yeah, they're saying now that the best way to be abstinent is to get married. Married folk are not going to say amen, but they know I'm telling the truth. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, my sister, for saying that's true, because I know I'm telling the truth up in here. Yeah. Adam... In order to have the best sex ever, first, you have to be in relationship with God. (laughs) Adam left God's presence and made love to Eve. You know, it is amazing to me how uncomfortable I felt in making those two connections. But sex and the presence of God go hand in hand. And I'm going to show you in a minute how, <laughs> I, I told you before, I had this one brother tell me, you know, I thought he was kind of be you know, kind of being too super spiritual. Tell my man, every time me and my wife make love, man, we, we have prayer first. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, you have time for that? You know, <laughs> like, really? I mean, why do you do that? I mean, understand now, I'm beginning to learn the spiritual nature of sex, and it is always at its best when God is in it. Don't think for a minute that when, when, when Adam and Eve had sex, that God turned away and hid. What do you think God did when Adam and Eve had sex? Please, humor me. Huh? Did he watch? All in favor, who says he watched, raise your hand. Who says he turned? Huh? Who says he looked away? He went, he went and created some planets. Can I, can I help you out with something here? God was not like, oh my goodness, that penis and vagina fit each other. <laughs> wow! I didn't know that was going to happen. Understand what happened. I want you to see that God is the author of sexuality. God formed Adam from the dust of the earth. That means God formed his sexual appendage. God did. Now, can I, can, I, can I get deep for a minute? Uh, the male sexual appendage has dual purposes. It is not just used for sex. 
But when God created the penis, he created it not only to excrete poisonous materials, but he also used it for sexual pleasure. Now, can I blow your mind? The woman's sexual uh, organ, the vagina, has really only one purpose. It is said by, 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 by most physicians and those who are who scholars in anatomy that the woman's sexual organ, the vagina, has more nerve endings in it than the average man himself. It is designed for one purpose, pleasure. And the devil did not create that. I'm trying to tell you that God was intimately involved in creating them for sex and God put pleasure into sex for their benefit. So it's all right to like it within the context that God created it. Come on in here, somebody. <laughs> now, another thing that you need to understand, marriage is a covenant. Now, watch this now. Every covenant, somebody say every covenant. Every covenant, every covenant in the word of God had a sign to show that the covenant was real. Now, can I help you out for a minute? Uh, what was the sign, what, the covenant that there would be no flood, right? What was the sign of a covenant? A rainbow. Uh, when, when Abraham made a covenant that he would be a father of many nations, that was the covenant. What was the sign of the covenant? Circumcision. Uh, 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 when, when one becomes a Christian, what is the sign that they are a Christian? Baptism. When one is married, what is the sign of the covenant that you are married? When you have sex. So, so watch this now. Within covenant, every time there's covenant, covenant simply says that I am calling God to witness my commitment. So when Abraham would circumcise his sons, God, he was saying, come look and see my commitment. When one is baptized, it is a public expression. Come on, y'all know this, of an inward change. When you get baptized, it doesn't mean that you get changed in the water. You've already been changed. You're simply getting baptized to show everybody else and to tell God in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy. Come see about, come see, bring your presence down here and see that I'm different now. When a husband and wife have sex, they are honoring the covenant of their marriage relationship. And sex is saying, God, come down here. Help us, please, one another. Oh, y'all not hearing me in here. That is why it is impossible. You can experience pleasure in sex outside of marriage, but you cannot experience the power of real sex that God intended unless you are in a godly marriage. The most important person in sex is God. <laughs> the most important sexual organ is between your ears and not your legs. Good sex is not about performance. It's about the presence of God. We have not, we have not heard this before. Oh, <laughs> when you, the world says that you are good in bed if you can last a long time. If you can have multiple partners. If you look good, if you can please your man. But in the spiritual realm, people are having good sex when, number one, they are in God's presence and they have the spirit of God in them. And when the spirit of God is in them, then God can bless what they are doing. And I believe that anything that God created, when it is done within the confines of God's appropriate plan, that God wants to bless it. Now, we want God to bless our money, but we don't want God to come in our bedrooms. We want him to come in the hospital rooms to heal bodies, but he can't come in your bedroom. <laughs> this is one of the reasons, and this is just an aside, and we're going to talk about porn next week. Why I counsel couples do not bring help into your bedroom. We'll talk about that later. The best sex ever. Let's keep going. This is from your girl. <laughs> she says, marriage in a majority of cases is a most galling yoke. <laughs> There are thousands that are mated, but not matched. <laughs> Pastor Kelly was saying this week, he said some people brag because they've been married for 40 years, but 40 don't mean nothing if you just made it. <laughs> there has to be a match, all right? And one of the things we're discovering is there are married couples 
who are simply mated but not matched. We're going to break that down in a minute. Now, look at the Bible's picture of sex. We talked about this, Songs of Solomon. How beautiful you are and how pleasing my love with your delights. Your stature is like that of a palm and your breasts like clusters of fruit. And your boy Solomon said, I'm going to climb the palm tree and I'm going to take hold of its fruit. And then he says what the fruit is. He said, may your breasts be like clusters of grapes on the vine. The fragrance, amen, preach preacher, the fragrance of your breath like apples and your mouth like the best of wine. And then she responded to him and said, may the wine go straight to my beloved. Praise God. And let it go there only. Amen. (laughs) Flowing gently over lips and teeth. Verse 10, I belong to my beloved and his desire is for me. Come, my beloved, she says, let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. Let us go early to the vineyards to see if the vines have budded, if their blossoms have opened. How many of y'all know they ain't talking about a garden? (laughs) And if the pomegranates are in bloom, there I will give you my love. Notice what Proverbs 5 says. Proverbs, and we're just showing you how the Bible, God's expectation for the marriage bed is for it to be a pleasurable blessing experience to the couples. The Bible says in Proverbs 5, may your fountain be blessed. And may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Now, this is one of the problems that men are having. One of the reasons why men are having such a hard time in their sexual relationships is because so many of you have been so active before. It's hard to make love to your wife without thinking about your past. There is a thing uh, psychologists are calling imprinting. You ever heard of what an imprint is? Imprinting is, uh, the phenomenon is whatever your first experience is sexually, or your most memorable one, what you attempt to do is try to repeat that experience over and over again, even if, so for example, if a man had several sexual experiences with several different women, then when he gets in a marriage relationship, the psychological imprint on his mind is that he cannot enjoy sex unless it's with many women. That's one of the reasons why we have husbands that cannot be loyal to their wives. There are some couples that cannot experience the joy of sexuality unless they have help in the bedroom. What I'm talking about is pornography or toys or things of that nature. Why? Because they are simply taking a previous relationship experience and they are joining it in their new one and they are hoping that these things will help them in their relationship. And I want you to know right now, these things are displeasing to God. The Bible says, may her breasts, now this is the scripture's talking to couples, saying, may her breasts satisfy you. How often, everybody? May you ever be intoxicated with her love. So within the confines of marriage, God does not expect married couples not to be having sex. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Amen. (laughs) Wow. This is a tough crowd tonight. Praise God. Huh? The Bible says, may her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Amen? Uh, Definition of terms. The word satisfy means to bathe, to make drunk, or to fill, or to satisfy. God wants you to be drunk with your spouse and nobody else. Amen? The Bible goes on to say in verse 20, why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? The word intoxicated means to stray or to wander, to be devoured by a wild beast. Understand, if there's anybody stepping out on their spouse, if there's anybody shacking or fornicating right now, I just want you to know that it feels good for the moment. But I promise you, there is a wild beast that's coming out of the woods that's going to get you. Bottom line, you cannot disobey God and think that it's just going to keep going and that life is just going to stay cool and that there will not be any punitive damages to disobeying God. And it's not God punishing you. It's simply the consequences of disobeying God. You cannot disobey God and there not be consequences. Period. It just bees that way. Amen. Now, here's Satan's sexual plan. Let me just blow your mind right now. This is how he does it. First, he introduces pleasure. And generally, the pleasure is self, selfish and self-motivated. Right? His next step is to cause you to pursue that thing. And when you pursue it, he gives you more pleasure. 
After you get that pleasure, then what he doesn't show you is pain. I don't think Tiger Woods saw that. Tiger Woods saw himself in the back of in the back of trucks. He saw himself with prostitutes. He saw himself getting away with it. But he didn't see one fateful Thanksgiving day with his wife coming with a nine iron at him. And then he didn't see his golf game declining. He didn't see himself losing endorsements. He didn't see himself losing his reputation. He didn't see himself checking into a treatment center. He didn't see himself losing relationship with his wife and his children. See, the enemy doesn't show us that part. He just shows you the pleasure itself, gives you more pleasure, makes you pursue it, and he does not show you the pain that comes with it. I'm telling you. Now, I have a question for you tonight. How do you know if you are sexually perverted? Somebody talk back to me. How do you know if you're sexually perverted? Shout it out. How do you know if you're sexually perverted? Wow. Now I know y'all are intelligent. I know you're intelligent. I know you're intelligent. Help me out. What is sexual, what does it mean to be sexually perverted? And I will stay here, will not move that slide until I get an answer. What does it mean to be sexually perverted? Somebody help me. Huh? Have abnormal thoughts about sex. I would ask you to define what abnormal is, but I won't do that. Okay, like but, okay bestiality. That's perversion. Uh, okay, uh, so bestiality, that's perversion. Okay, that's a level of perversion. Anybody else? How, what, is sex, what does it mean to be perverted? Somebody. Go ahead, man. Yes. Huh? Say it again. Pervert. Yes, pervert. But what does it mean to be a pervert? What is a pervert? Anybody know? What does it mean to pervert something? Huh? To go against the normal, to go against the grain. Yes. When you take part in Hold on. unnatural, adulterated sexual practice. When you take practice in unnatural, adulterated, let me ask you, is it uh, somebody that cheats on their spouse, are they perverted? Who says no? Raise your hand. Who says yes? Raise your hand. <laughs> no matter. Is, is an adulterer, that's all he's done, he hasn't messed with an animal, he hasn't messed with somebody of the same sex or she, but they have just had an affair. They're just looking at Panak. Are they perverted? Who says yes? You don't know. No, mm-hmm. we don't say that that's a perversion. Okay. But in what you're saying, I would say that. I ain't said nothing yet. No, I'm saying though. What are you, y'all think I've got something to say? That's why nobody wants to answer. All right, I'll just go there since y'all pushing me. This is how you know you are sexually perverted. Are y'all ready for this? If when you think of sex, the first person that you think of is not God. You know, let me, let me tell you why this is hard for us. Can I tell you, can I tell you why this is hard for us? to? And I'm going to show you from Scripture. I'll show you from Scripture. Let me tell you why this is hard for us to receive. Because we don't want to consider ourselves perverted. Now, let me help you out. If you live in this world in 2012, if you are alive, more than likely you have perverted thoughts. Now, I, there are levels of perversion. Perversion simply means distorted. It means not correct. It, 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 it gives the picture of somebody whose, whose vision is not clear. What we are saying is, is that if, if I tell, okay, if I asked you, uh, let me think of a car. Let's think of a car. Um, if I told you Volkswagen Beetle, who would you think created that car? Volkswagen. All right. Um, if I asked you, go, go ahead, somebody said something? If I asked you Corvette, what would you think? Chevy, right? Let me ask you this, Claire. When you come to church, do you think about God? Shouldn't you? Should be a connection, right? I mean, shouldn't really just, I mean, some, some of us think, when we think church, we think pastor, we think music, and I'm saying that's a perverted view of, set, of church. If, if God is not intricately, 
intricately connected with the things that he created, that means that somewhere we have been disconnected and our viewpoint has been perverted about the thing God created. And I'm going to tell you right now, when we talk about sex, and that, this goes for almost all of us, we live in a sinful world. It's almost impossible. The Bible says, by beholding, we become changed. Amen. And everyone in here this week, if we have watched television, have seen some kind of visual imprint of the shameful, perverted view of sexuality. It is impossible for you to view that and for it not to affect your mindset. And we do this to people sometimes. Uh, for example, if, if somebody makes a mistake, we begin to define that person. We'll say, look at Michael. He's the guy that had an affair. And we start associating the individual with what they did. I'm saying from the positive perspective, God is the one that invented sex. When I think of Apple computers, I can't help but think of Steve Jobs. He created apples. He's dead, but I can't help but say, I can't separate him. Somewhere in the conversation, if you talk about iPhones and Apple computers, eventually you've got to talk about Steve Jobs because he's the brainchild behind it. And I'm telling you now, one of the reasons why sex has become so perverted in our society is because God has been disconnected from the very thing that he created. We are perverted. There are levels of it, but for the most part, if we cannot comfortably dialogue about this thing with our children, if couples cannot openly talk about it with one another, one of the most transformational things that happened in my wife's and I's marriage is when we got to a place of maturity where we were able to talk about everything. Y'all not hearing me in here. True intimacy comes when individuals can go there. Where they can reveal themselves and they are not ashamed. Where they can be themselves and they don't feel like they'll be censured. Where they can act the way they act and they don't have to worry about somebody dogging them or feeling some kind of way about them. Understand this now. When we talk about sex, sex is one of the most powerful things that God has ever created. First Corinthians 2. Watch this now. It says, but people who are unspiritual. Help me, Lord. Do not accept the things from what? They are foolishness to them and can't be what? Because they can only be comprehended in a spiritual way. So watch this now. Is sex spiritual? And here's the issue. Many of us are not spiritually minded. And I'm going to be honest. I'm just be real in here. Because of my past in sexual things, it is I have to fight to have appropriate thoughts concerning it. Amen. It is difficult to have a negative. If your first impression about me was negative, let's say the first time we met, I smacked you in the face. I could get baptized seven times. I could be filled with the Holy Spirit. But until I come to you, and we work that thing out. How many know? You, I mean, even when you work it out, you're going to say uh, this dude smacked me. Come on, say amen. You're going to remember that thing. This is what has happened with sexuality. The enemy has spiritually slapped us and he has jarred our thinking so that when the idea of sex comes, it brings up negative and shameful emotions in our hearts, especially considering the fact that so many of us have been abused sexually. The spiritual nature of sex. Let's look at this and we'll get ready to close. Now, <laughs> watch this. God breathed into the human soul. Now, I'm going to tell you, this part right here, I, I, I even felt uncomfortable. And I have avoided this subject for a little while because my mind was so perverted that I had a hard time seeing this. Let me help you out. God breathed into the human soul a profound desire for union with him. What, with, with what with him, y'all? Can, can you just hang for a second? Then he equipped us with the vocabulary to talk about it when he gave us the model of marriage. He said, y'all watch this, therefore a man shall leave his father and, and be what? To his, and they shall become what? All right, you got that right. They'll become one flesh. The union of marriage was to serve as an example that would give us a mental template for understanding spiritual union. 
Okay, let me break this down. Your God, not me, not a psychologist, not a sex therapist, but the, 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 the only sexual manual that I trust, the Bible. When God talks about, when God talks about sex, well, let me rephrase it. When God talks about our relationship with him, he uses sexual terms. Now, I want some honest folk in here tonight. That statement that I just made, if you're honest, how many of you, that makes you a little uncomfortable? Raise your hand. Okay. it, It makes me feel uncomfortable. That God would use sex to compare that to our relationship with him. If you are unspiritual, you'll almost think that's perverted. Right? Let me show you. Let me show you. Let me show you. Now, Ecclesiastes 3 says, watch this. It says, he has, read that everybody, he has also set what? Did y'all see that? Eternity where? Understand this. There There is a place in your heart that only God can fill. The Bible says it is the size of eternity. You know, the Bible actually says that the heavens and the earth and the universe cannot contain God, but you can. Did y'all just hear what I said? God cannot be contained by the solar system, by the universe. But the Bible says Christ in us, the hope of glory. That God, Lord have mercy, can literally take the fullness of who he is and he can put it in our heart. Now let me show you right now. One of the reasons why this generation craves sex so bad is because they really crave God, but they are using sex to fulfill only a place that God can. Please stay with me tonight. Let's get a little further. He said, therefore, a man, read y'all, uh, to his wife, and they shall become what? Now, The union of marriage was to serve as an example that would give us a mental template for understanding spiritual union. Now, why do why why does a young man and a woman choose to get married? Is it for romance? Well, a couple can enjoy romance without courtship or without getting married. Isn't that right? Uh, They can have love. Right. But you can do that without getting married. You can love your neighbor. Come on. Say amen. You can love your sister. You can love your mama. Why do people get married? Is it because they want intimacy? You can have intimacy with God. You can have it. And when we talk about intimacy, we're not talking about sex. We're talking about closeness. Friendship. Do you have to get married to have friendship? Uh, companionship. Do you have to uh, have, get married to have companionship? Communication. Do you have to be married to communicate with people? Fellowship. Now, what's the point that he's making? All those things and, and still not get married People can have all those things and still not get married. You can have romance, even within the confines of God's will. I know Christian couples that have not gotten married, that have dated, that have not crossed the line in sex, and they have simply carried an appropriate relationship, a romantic relationship, and they have not crossed the line. You can have all those things, companionship, not be lonely, communication, and never get married. The point I'm making is, is why is it that people get married then? Uh, I don't want to marry a kill. That's my boy. I don't want to marry him, though. I want to be cool with him. I like that me and this dude are getting close. We're watching football on Sundays. We're hanging out. We're getting in the word together. But I don't want to go to the next step with him. I'm about to, I'm about to shake y'all up with something right here. I'm going to tell you right now why it is that people want to get married. People don't want to get married just so they can have friends. Or they don't, now, there are some who get married for all the wrong reasons. But the deep reason why people get married is because they want union. Somebody say union. Now, every human being wants to be fully known and fully loved. (laughs) Please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. The driving force behind getting married is to be in relationship with somebody where I am totally naked. And they love me. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, everybody desires to be with somebody. 
Oh, come on in here now. And it's amazing to me. People say, I don't want to be with nobody. Well, Paul does say there's some of you who have the gift, who don't want to get married. But the, the most of us, most of us want to be in a relationship with somebody who will hold us. You were created that way. Most of us want to be in a relationship with somebody that will kiss us. Most of us want to be in a relationship where somebody will caress us and cuddle us and massage us and, and, and look at us when we are crying and when we are broken, when we are at our worst, and say, no matter what, I love you. It's deeper than sex. It's union, but you cannot have union without sex. Now, for example, if a couple got married and they never had sex, guess what? They can never be one flesh. Oh, y'all didn't hear what I said. Did you hear what I said? Sex makes you one flesh. Young people, old people, whoever, stepping out folks, shacking up folks, hear me when I say this. This is why when you have sex with somebody that is not your spouse, you are becoming one with them. And the only way that oneness can be broken is by the power and the blood of Jesus. You can't just cause yourself to forget. And there are some dudes out there that just think they're players and, you know what I'm saying, I don't, I don't think about nothing. Men swear that sex is not emotional. God did not design it that way. It is impossible to be that player. I'm a pimp. I just use women and it not affects you. It affects men differently. But understand this. You cannot involve yourself in the powerful nature of sex and it not do something to you. Amen. One of the worst feelings in the world is when you've gotten married and you and your wife go somewhere. And, you've, and you're around people that you've been with. And they know they have a piece of your heart. They know they have a piece of your body. They, see, they saw things about you <laughs> that only your wife saw. Uh, let's go a little further. 1 Corinthians 6. Watch this. And I'm going to show you from the scriptures. The Bible says there's more to sex than mere skin on skin. This is the message Bible. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as a physical fact, as written in the scriptures, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. Let me just throw this out here. That's why, brothers, your wife, uh, and, and you don't have to say amen here because I know this is a sensitive area. Some, some of us were in sexually, sexually active relationships with women a whole lot before we were married. And let's say it's the same woman. Say you were living with her, you were having sex with her, and the sex was just coming. I mean, you were just having it on a regular. I mean, it was nothing, it was on a platter. You just had it anytime you want. But as soon as you got married, why was it not as readily available anymore? You know why? Because a woman gives sex to get intimacy. Men have sex for intimacy, but a woman gives sex to get intimacy. And when she feels that she has you, you can't just tell her I'm ready and think that you're going to get it. You have to now love that woman in order to get what you've been looking for. And so these brothers that are just, you know, you ain't never proposed to this woman. You're just having sex with her. You're sleeping with her. For those of you who are watching online, I know you're out there. These are people, you're just letting them do whatever they want to your body. And you really want a commitment. But you're thinking, if I do this, I'll hold on to them. What you don't realize is men get this little mindset where the more that they are involved with somebody before there's commitment, the less likely they are to make the commitment. This ain't in my notes, but I'm going to tell you right now. Let me tell you one of the reasons why I was dating several different girls before I got with Shanae. And, and I'm not saying this to brag or just like, but you know what turned me on to Shanae? I had to chase her. The rest of the sisters, I call her, what you doing? Meet me someplace tomorrow, yada, yada. Man, no dude ain't gonna marry you. Dude is not gonna marry the woman that it's easy for. The dude is gonna marry the challenge. He's going to marry the sister that brings the best out. He's going to put a ring on that one right there. He will not. He will simply get what he can from that. And then you will be left simply with an empty relationship. Amen. I'm gonna just, can I give you a word, sisters, right now to the brothers? You know, uh, your boy, Steve Harvey, said, think like a man. Can I tell you something right now? You want to be noticed? Make dudes work. I'm telling my daughter right now, never tell a dude that you like him first. Never. That's too much commitment. That brother needs to work for you. 
Men were created to be hunters. Women were created to be runners. And when you have ran and chased her long enough to the extent that she's seen the commitment, then she'll stop and she will give you her love. And the brother will appreciate what he has because he knew he had to work for that piece. Come on in here. There was a sense in which, let me, let me move here because you got to see this thing uh, a little more clearly. Let me, let me, let me, let me rock this. Sex and salvation. 1 Corinthians 6. Now here it is. Do you not know that your bodies are members of who? Christ. Himself. Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Understand, if you're a Christian and you take your body and unite it with somebody else, you're not just taking yourself, you're taking Christ with you. But guess what? Christ ain't going with you. Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never! Watch this, verse 16. Now, here's the part that I was like, ooh, wow, Jesus, I mean, I feel a little queasy. Why would you do that? Look, he says, do you not know, watch this, y'all, do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is what? For it is said, the two will become what? Did everybody get that? When you unite yourself, you become, unite is a word for sex. When there is, when there is, when you are united, you are, everybody got that? Now watch this. But whoever is united, oh, why would you use the same word? With the Lord is one with him in spirit. Did y'all just catch that? He is talking about sex, saying if you unite with a woman, you are one with her. And then he turns right around. I'm like, dude, at least separate it. Don't go there so quickly. No, God says, I want you to understand what I'm talking about. I want you to see the direct connection between a sexual relationship and your relationship with me. And then he uses the same language. He says, whoever is united with the Lord is one with him. Can I break this down to you now? The reason why God gave us this powerful thing called sex I've heard some folks say that a sexual orgasm is like 27,000 exponential powers of a crack cocaine hit. <laughs> let, me, let me go a little further because I want to show you a text. Watch this now. Then the Bible says that this is why a man leaves his father. Why does he leave? And mother, Because he wants to be what? He wants to be united, not just in prayer, <laughs> not P-R-A-Y, P-R-E-Y. Come on, say amen. And united, that word united is the word yada, which means to know sexually his wife. And then when they know each other sexually, they become what? Ah, oh, no, we ain't said nothing yet. Now watch this. John 17, you got to write this down. The next time somebody asks you, you can be a scholar. The Bible says, now this is eternal life, Carl. Watch this. This is what? He's about to give us a definition for eternal life. Isn't that what we're living for? Amen. How many are living for eternal life? That's it. I don't think there's anything else more important than eternal life. He's about to tell us what eternal life is. He says, now this is eternal life that they know you. That they do what? The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have what? Can I tell you what that word know means? No is the same word in the Hebrew as united. The word no is the Hebrew word yada. Somebody say yada. The word yada means to know sexually. Y'all missed it. What is God doing? God is using sex to describe the feeling and the connectedness of what it's like to be in relationship with him. <laughs> When we have sex, it is to remind us, Lord have mercy, of how good it is to be in Jesus. That's why I'm telling you, if you think of sex and you don't think of God, you're perverted. Because as we study the scriptures, every, when God uses sex, he always uses sex to describe our relationship with him. I don't think God made a mistake on this. He's saying, look, y'all, when you are in a marriage relationship, he says, I'm not a, just a God that just tells you do this, dude. I want you to experience euphoria. 
I want you to experience ecstasy of the highest order. When you are in a marriage bad relationship and that thing gets good, when two people are trying to please the other, it is a supernatural explosion that happens that ought to open your mouth and you ought to say, thank you, Jesus. Why do Christians have the best sex? Number one, God invented it. And if you are having sex and you're not with God, you can't enjoy it at its best. I don't care how it feels. It's going to get you. Second reason. They practice, that should be they, they practice agape love. I don't have the time to get into it tonight. But one of the reasons why people are so sexually frustrated in their marriages is because they're always thinking about themselves. Sex is purposely designed by God that the other person please the other person. You can't get that from pornography. And that pornography jacked me up in my marriage. To the extent that my wife did not want to make love to me because I had an imprint on my mind that was jacked up by the world. There's this one book out called Sex Starts in the Kitchen, Married Folk. And for those of you getting married, and let me, by, by the way, let me just throw this out here now. Um, whatever you do now, young people, you are simply preparing an imprint for your children. If you're freaky right now, think about your children that you're going to have one day. Because whatever's in you, Lord have mercy. One of the, uh, the other reason why Christians have the best sex is because we are free from guilt and shame. <laughs> Amen? Uh, number four, another reason why we have the best sex is because it pleases God. <laughs> it's funny, when I first got married, it was weird. I was just like, is this right? <laughs> oh yeah, I guess it is. It is right. When your mind's been so jacked up, God takes something, the enemy takes something good and he twists your brain about that thing. Now, in order to have the best sex, you've got to have God. John 15, 5. Now, it's funny, we never apply this text to sex. The Bible says in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't have God in your life, you will not have success in your bedroom. I don't care what you feel like you're having right now. Oh, pastor, that has nothing to do with sex. The Bible says, apart from me, you can do nothing. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Seven prayers you should pray about sex. Did you know you should pray about sex? Even now, here's seven prayers you should pray. Number one, teach me the truth about sex. In other words, God, fix my head. Fix my head, God. Clean up my mind so that I get to a place and see this thing in the context in which you've created it. Number two, help me to honor you with my desires. For those of you who are not married, I remember one preacher told me, uh, and he was, he, was not, he was not single, but what he said was, he said as he would travel and go various places, he would be gone from his wife for a long period of time. And so he said when he would leave, he would say, God, take my desires and hold them down. And then he says, as he got home, he would say, God, Take my desires and release them. God is able to keep your desires in the appropriate place that they belong. I was telling somebody the other day who came to me and said, Pastor, I'm struggling with pornography. I I can't seem to shake this thing. And I asked him, I said, well, do you have a job? He said, no, I'm just at home all day. I said, there you go right there. There you, go. you made the first step. You came and you talked to me because you do need that accountability. But I'm going to tell you right now, one of the re- reasons why people get in trouble when, re- with regards to sex is because they have too much time alone. And idle time is the devil's workshop. Listen, I, you know what? You, listen, I will never go back to pornography. I, you, I'm never going to step out on my wife. I'm never going to do all that stuff. You know why? Because I got too much. I'm, I got too much I'm involved in. I got too much purpose. 
I got too much purpose. I know next week I got to get up and preach on this again. Well, woman, you ain't going to see me at Panera Bread sitting down with somebody. Y'all not going to see me walking out of no hotel with somebody. You don't got to worry about me watching porn. You know why? Because I'm in the word. I got purpose. And one of the reasons why many of us struggle with any kind of sin is because we have too much. We have no purpose. You know what? I got to get up every Sabbath and declare the word of God. What time do I have sitting up watching people on TV? Number three, another prayer you should pray. Keep me pure. Now, notice I didn't say keep me a virgin. Many of us are preaching virginity to our kids. Wrong message. Preach purity. You can be a virgin and be impure. Purity is higher than virginity. Virginity just means there was no penetration or copulation. But purity means that my mind has stayed on Jesus. <laughs> Number four. The, the, the fourth prayer we should pray. Heal me from my past. Especially those of us who are in marriages. Uh, there was a young lady I was talking to and uh, giving counsel to her uh, when I, a few pastorates ago. And one of the issues, she, she was raped by her father. So she found herself in a marriage relationship and she did not want to have sex with her husband. Her husband was frustrated. He was ready to walk out. This thing had played itself out for five years. Five years, her husband keeping himself. He could not make love to his wife. And he, and, and he was ready to step because he felt that his wife did not accept him or did not think that he was, he was, he was good enough. Didn't realize as we were digging that her first imprint sexually was a negative experience. You see how the enemy does you? Hear me tonight. So what the enemy did is he jacked her up before her marriage relationship so that when she walked into it, she could not even enjoy what God had given. And so I'm telling you now, I don't believe that there's anything that we've been through that God cannot heal. I don't care how promiscuous you were. I don't care what you were into. Hardcore porn, super hardcore, gay, lesbian. I don't, I, I don't care what it was. I tell you tonight in the name of Jesus and as somebody who stands here, I don't care how, you, how jacked up your marriage is right now where you guys cannot be intimate with each other. I want you to know that if you will pray this prayer, God heal my mind. God heal my heart. God heal my spirit. I'm a witness tonight that God is able. Number five. Fifth prayer you should play is deliver blank from the power of sin. There are some of you who are in marriage relationships or you have friends and you know that they are in bondage to sexual sin. Your boy Samuel says, he says, far be it from me to sin against God and cease to pray for you. It is a sin when we do not intercede for people to have deliverance from this. If there is, and I know I'm talking to somebody tonight, so this is not for everybody. Some of you know that there are some sexual challenges. I'm telling you now. Do not try to talk about it with them yet. Get on your face. Get on your knees. You don't know what you're dealing with. This could be a spirit. This could be a demonic. This could be a demonic scenario. You don't know how deep it is. And to simply talk about a situation will not do. I'm telling you. I'm telling you what I know. You have got to get into the presence of God and begin to ask him for wisdom. Begin to pray for deliverance. Begin to pray for the best outcome because the enemy, you don't know the depth of the situation. Number six, help me to please my spouse. I didn't used to pray that prayer, but I'm calling on that. Listen, if you were to look at all the prayers I pray, well, that's up there on the list. Come on in here, somebody. Well, I ain't ashamed about it. Amen. Uh, preach, Myron, all by yourself. Pat yourself on the back. You better go, boy. Yeah, preach. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Wives and husbands. Uh, listen, man, if God created this thing, then, then you should have no problem saying, Holy Ghost, help me that I might please my spouse. Use me, Lord. <laughs> the only way that you cannot receive this word is if you see sex perverted. The Bible says, in everything, make your prayers and requests known unto God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the peace of God will guard your heart and your bedroom through Christ Jesus our Lord. Pray that God will bless that thing. Pray that God will keep the enemy out of it. Pray that the bed will be undefiled as the Bible says. Pray over that thing. Hallelujah. 
And the other prayer you should pray is thank you, Jesus. Come on in. Only the married folk can say that one. Come on, say amen. Yes, Lord. Stop cussing and say thank you, Jesus. That went over somebody's head. <laughs> ah, yeah. Can marital sex be displeasing to God as we close? Here it is. Hebrews 13, 4 says, marriage should be honored by how many? And the marriage bed should be kept what? For God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. 1 Corinthians 7 in here. It says, now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Paul said this. He says, but since sexual immorality is occurring, how many know what's happening? He says, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. That was a command from the Lord. Now, understand what I'm saying. If there are major issues in the marriage, you need to work those things out. Come on, say amen. amen. But notice what Paul says, verse 3. He says, the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife. And likewise, the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body. But, amen. But yields it to her husband. In the same way... The husband does not have authority over his own body, but he yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other except perhaps, even he put perhaps in there too, by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. So if you're not having sex, you ought to be really holy. You ought to be praying like you're crazy. The Bible says married couples, it says, look, man, you should be devoting yourself. If you're not doing it for a little while, go ahead and pray. But make sure you come back to that which I have created to be a blessing. Well, look, look, what he gives the reason why. So that you may devote yourselves to prayer, then come again, then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, there are two reasons why, there are a number of reasons why people are, are not having sex. The main reason why is that there is not spiritual and emotional intimacy. There are some brothers... I'm going to end right there. Look, man, you were a player back in the day. I give you that. All right, you was a man. Bro, you can't take that kind of mindset in your marriage. Amen. That's true. You rub, rub, your wife sleeps. She had a long day. The house is a mess. You ain't done nothing. You ain't spoke to her. And then you got the nerve to be elbowing her at 2 in the morning talking about what's up. You know, really? <laughs> you haven't spoken to her. You haven't been the priest of your home. You have not ministered to her needs. You have not spent time with your children? And you're looking for some slam-bam thank you, ma'am? Sisters, on the other hand, on the other hand, on the other hand, how many of their two hands, amen? See, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Y'all know that, right? Men have sex to experience intimacy. Women must have intimacy in order to have sex. But can I throw something out here to you? Remember, God uses sex to show our relationship to him. And God is constantly doing for us so that we are blessed. In order for there to be the best sex ever, both individuals need to put themselves aside and do, and do whatever is necessary to please the other. Amen. Within the confines of the word of God. Your girl says, the bedchamber <laughs> where angels of God should preside. Y'all know there should be angels in your bedroom. <laughs> Is made unholy by unholy practices. 
And because shameful animalism rules, bodies are corrupted. Loathsome practices lead to loathsome diseases. That which God has given as a blessing is made a curse. Neither the husband nor the wife should attempt to exercise over the other an arbitrary control. Do not try to compel each other to yield to your wishes. You cannot do this and retain each other's love, but be kind, patient, forbearing, considerate, and courteous. By the grace of God, you can succeed in making each other happy as in your marriage vow. You promised to do this. The marriage relation, talking about sex, she says, last statement, is what? But in this degenerate age, it covers vileness of every description. It is abused and has become a crime which now constitutes one of the signs of the last days. Even as marriages managed as they were previous to the flood were then a crime, when the sacred nature and the claims of marriage are understood, it will even now be approved of heaven. And the result will be happiness to both parties and God will be glorified. Two appeals I want to make tonight. Play a little something for me, Willie. Falling in love with Jesus. I'm not going to ask for you to stand. I'm not going to ask for you to come forward. But I'm just going to ask you to reverently bow your head right where you are. There are some of you right now who have had shameful and negative experiences that have left you lonely, hurt, feeling guilty. Your mind has been corrupted and perverted. And God is the last thing that you think about when it comes to sex. It could have been what somebody did to you. It could have been mistakes that you had made. It could have been multiple relationships, pornography. It could be just the fact that there is, there is, a, there is a brokenness in your relationship with God. There's a brokenness in your marriage. And every time the issue is raised, it brings negative feelings. But I want you to know, God just doesn't want to heal the bedroom. He wants to heal you. He doesn't want the blessings that he has given to become corrupted, as the prophet said. In